for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you've stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review about your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by giving online at believerschurch.tv. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We're located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you guys for your, for your commitment week in and week out. You guys, you guys sound wonderful, and most importantly, we know, we know why you're singing and what you're singing for, and that makes all the difference in the world, especially when we have the opportunity as that, that quite frankly doesn't exist in a lot of areas of the world, to gather and worship, to gather and worship our Savior. May that be something that we never take for granted by, by sleeping in or, or going to all these other things in our lives when a lot of people would love to have the freedom to worship somewhere other than a cold basement where they know if they're found, they're going to be executed. But we have the opportunity to do that, and that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Today's, today's message is very personal for me, and I'm going to treat it as such. I, I told you whenever this series started that I, that I generally have a framework that I work within. When I start a series, I have a general outline, and I know with the end in mind where I want to go and what it is that I want our people to receive as a result of this series, sometimes even executed to specific messages. What is it that we want to leave with? I've worked very differently with this series so I'm just giving you, I guess, another warning. It seems to have worked out okay so far, but, but that's, that's where I am. I can remember it seeming evident that we were going to be moving to Tennessee. A little, uh, we've been in Tennessee now for a little over six months, but I can remember it seeming evident in, in different stages and different periods of 2019 that we were going to be moving to Tennessee and I can remember many times of prayer in which I tried to make plans and pull God over to my side. So if we are going to be moving to Tennessee, God, if I'm going to step out in this leap of faith, this is what it needs to look like. Uh, God, you need to give me the answers on my time timeline. I need to know pretty quickly where I'm going to be pastoring, if I'm going to be pastoring. If I'm not going to be pastoring, I need to understand during this time how my family is going to be getting by financially. What are these things supposed to look like, and, and how am I supposed to, to make it? And I watched my plans, as, and some of you know this story, and it wasn't new to me. I watched my plans fall apart over and over and over again as I tried to keep control. I was fearful because I knew that God had called me. All right, that's something that I haven't questioned, but I was preparing to move to Tennessee where there was no job. I knew that I had the job at the college, but I've worked two full-time jobs for about almost five years now. And I knew that there was something else that I was going to have to, to have. There was going to have to be the presence of something else. And I wasn't as worried about finances, though I was very worried about finances. Had a lot of conversations with dad on the phone what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I know I, I'm a I'm a organization, need my budget to look a certain way, need to know what the expectations are kind of person, and it just kept, it wouldn't add up. It just wouldn't add up. 
and that was very problematic. It was a very lonely time. I, I, I started looking at jobs online that were completely outside of my degrees, that were completely outside of anything that I've ever done before, things that I wasn't sure I could even do. I just knew that God was calling us to come back to Tennessee. I was not the first person in my family that God verified that to and spoke to about that. However, eventually, late in the summer of 2019, I did start to, to understand this is inevitable, God. I'm not going to fight this anymore. This is something that we are supposed to do. All right, so I wasn't as fearful about my finances, honestly, as I was working outside of my calling. For a pastor or, or a missionary or a person that does a variety of different kinds, I don't believe that one is more significant or important than the other, but to work outside of your calling feels very, very difficult and very hard for a lot of reasons. The, the willingness was there. I just didn't know about the timing and what God wanted to do. All right? So Teresa of Avila, which was a Spanish nun and mystic, she has this quote that really means a lot to me, and she said this, It is presumptuous in me to wish to choose my path. And this is the key part, because I cannot tell which path is best for me. Because I cannot tell which path is best for me. This statement right here, even though it's not Holy Scripture, it's said by a saint. This, this expression right here is the beginning, the very beginning of the spiritual journey. And if you cannot say the same way in AA, we have to admit that we have a problem, that we're alcoholics. If you can't say, I don't have the ability to choose the best path for me, well, you're just really not ready to start. All right, so that's something that I want you guys to keep in mind today. We're in part four of a 10-week series titled Out of Egypt, in which we're studying the great, Isra uh, the great exodus of the Israelites, God's people, out of slavery and oppression, and eventually into the promised land. Moses, our unlikely leader, is now being prepared to take this life-changing step, last week was the burning bush, this life-changing step of leading the Israelites out of Egypt. We should note, as is the case with anyone that has ever attempted to trust God, that he doesn't have all the answers. And even though he trusts God, he is in a state of disillusion about how all of this is going to work. And this is exactly where I was. And it's exactly where some of you are today. Some of you in here, you do trust God. You're ready to say yes, or you've already said yes. You're just really anxious, and you're losing some sleep, and you're very concerned because you just don't know how all of this is going to work out. All right, so this may be for a specific calling in your life. This may be about a new job, a new opportunity, a new financial situation in your life. There could be a number of ways that this actually manifests itself, but nonetheless, it is manifesting itself in your life in this moment. Now, I can promise you this state of disillusion about not knowing how things are going to work, saying to yourself, I cannot tell which path is best for me, is the best possible place you could ever be. 
There is a comfort and there is a form of security when you step out in faith and trust in the unknowing. Now, when you hear unknowing, you think that is the worst thing I could possibly imagine. I'm going through something right now that no one else in this world understands. So to know that I can't predict the outcome of this thing and know what it's going to look like, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. You are in a place. You are in a position for the work of God like you have never been before in your life whenever you felt you had all the answers. Whenever everything seemed okay, I can predict what tomorrow is going to look like at my job, in the lives of my kids, how I'm going to feel, what the day in a general sense is going to look like. So whenever you're in a place in which you have no answers whatsoever and things seem bleak, pay attention Because God is about to do an amazing work. Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And we're also, your your uh, weekly reading was Exodus chapter 3 and also chapter 4. A reread of Exodus chapter 3 and then also getting into chapter 4. We were in Exodus chapter 3 last week talking about the burning bush. So we're going to go just a little bit further. We're going to look at verses 16, 17, and 18. Skip ahead to verse 21. And then we're going to go to the end of chapter 4 to see how that chapter concludes. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 16. You can use your phone, your Bible, you can follow on the screen, however it is that you want to, you want to read, okay? So this is what God says to Moses. This is after the burning bush, so now there's some proclamation, some understanding of what he is supposed to do, some instructions. Go and get Israel's elders together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me. This was the burning bush moment. The Lord said, I've been paying close attention to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. Some of you feel lost. You feel broken. You feel like there are no answers. Maybe God is not paying attention. But what God is saying in this moment or is going to say to you very soon is that I have actually been paying very close attention to what's going on, even though you don't feel that, even though that is something that you feel like you're not experiencing right now. I've decided to take you away from the harassment in Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites in a land full of milk and honey. They will accept what you say to them. Then you and Israel's elders will go to Egypt's king and say to him, The Lord, the Hebrews' God, has met with us. So now let us go on a three-day journey into the desert so that we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. So how is this journey actually supposed to begin out of Egypt? With three days of worship. All right, going down to verse 21. I'll make it so that when you leave Egypt, the Egyptians will be kind to you, and you will not go away empty-handed. All right, turn a page if you're, well, at least I'm turning the page because I have to, but look up on the screen, end of chapter 4, starting in verse 27. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the desert to meet Moses. So he went and met him at God's mountain and greeted him with a kiss. Moses told Aaron that the Lord, what the Lord had said about his mission and all the signs the Lord had told him to do. Then Moses said, as Aaron, then Moses and Aaron called together all the 
Israelites' elders, Aaron told them everything that the Lord had told Moses. And he performed the signs in front of the people. The people believed. When they heard that the Lord had paid attention to the Israelites and seen their oppression, they bowed down and then they worshiped God. So we see this morning that the rescue mission has been declared. We're at the place where Moses is brought back to Egypt. Moses has experienced the burning bush. And now this rescue mission, what is actually supposed to happen as the Israelites are eventually going to exit Egypt, go out of Egypt, the rescue mission has been declared with some specifics that God has, get, has given Moses. It begins with a three-day journey into the wilderness to worship. So what I want to do today, as I've already stated, is I want to use some of the parallels in the recent story of my family, just to give you a little bit of insight on kind of a little bit of how our journey went, mainly focusing on, on my perspective and where I've been with this whole thing, and intertwine that with the passage that we've looked at today and some of the things that Moses is going through. There are striking similarities that I believe in your life, if something is going on right now that you need to pay very very close attention to if you feel like you're being called out in some way. Maybe you feel that God is calling you to do something incredible. Maybe you are supposed to take a next step that you don't fully understand. Maybe you're in this wilderness period and it's been going on for some period of time and you don't know what it looks like to actually be called out of that. And what you really need to understand what you really want to get from this entire experience is to know that it's God speaking and not just you. I don't know how many people that I've known in my life that have felt that God was speaking to them, often about doing wonderful, noble things, but in their experience, as it turns out, as they, they fell on their face, it was them the entire time trying to push them into a, a situation, a ministry, something they were supposed to be involved with, an individual they were supposed to be involved with, and God never had anything to do with it. All right, so that's what I want you to be able to pay very close attention to. Because I have no question with the movement that I'm seeing in this church, with the conversations that I'm having with a lot of you, that God is doing amazing things in some of you that have maybe always been kind of the quiet, reserved, I'm just going to kind of take the back seat or... I believe there are callings in this room that are even greater than the calling that myself and others have experienced. It's just that you've not been vocal about it yet, or you've not felt that the timing is right, or you've, you've stepped away from that. For some of you, it's time to come out of that, and these are some of the ways today that we're going to talk about that you can know what you're supposed to do. So what God is going to do in this passage is He is going to provide three gestures, okay, or three actions for mobilizing mission or sending someone out of the current situation that they are in. All right? Moses is in one place. Moses feels ill-equipped. Moses is supposed to do a certain kind of work. So there are these three gestures or actions that are going around, on around Moses that I'm going to promise you are going on around some of you as well. But unfortunately, also, some of you that feel like rip-roared and ready to go to do something... These gestures, these actions, they're not happening around you. So you need to be very, very careful about taking a step forward yourself, a step forward in the flesh. You need to pay very close attention to that. So the first one is this. If God is moving us, there is always going to be some form of instruction. All right, some form of instruction. God is going to tell you something that you are supposed to do. Now, please understand this. 
God tells Moses to gather the elders. God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh. These are instructions. God tells Moses that the Israelites are to leave their work and go to the wilderness for three days of worship. Interestingly, God doesn't always give all of the details. All right, We'd love to have all of the details. We'd love to know what the story is supposed to look like, what the picture is supposed to look like, but often he doesn't give all of the details, and this is where faith comes in. God often gives a destination, a destination like Tennessee, without giving the specifics about how the plan is supposed to work. And this is what makes things so difficult for us. The question is this, will you take the necessary steps forward so that the power of God can be manifested in your life? Are you willing? Is there an obedience up front in which you are willing to take the steps forward, regardless of how scary or ugly that might look, to walk forward into the work of God? Now, here's the, here's the problem. Most people, whenever you ask them this question, and I'm going to repeat it, will you take the necessary steps forward so that the power of God can be manifested in your life? The answer that most people give is no. And this is why we are where we are today. Why? Comfort. Fear. They're angry because it's not going their way on their timeline. The majority of people that God wants to use in an absolutely life-changing, incredible way They take the easy way, and they say no. They step back and they say, this is not something that I feel that I can do. I prayed constantly. I didn't have a Mount Ora, but I had a a sugar camp mountain up on uh, Stonecrest. I really don't know what it's called, but I had a mountain that I prayed on on a regular basis. God, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to do? And my wife will verify this. I lost a lot of weight. I was an absolute, I wasn't sleeping on a regular basis for weeks. I have five people to take care of. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I have a journal that is like turned into a manifesto now of being able to see the work that God has done. It was a decision that I initially fought. Uh, This was a decision that seemed very irrational at the time. Much of what God is going to tell you to do is going to seem very irrational. Let me go ahead and tell you that right now. This was a decision that required me to leave things that I deeply cared about. We were in a church that by every, every standard of success or things going well, we were blossoming Everything was wonderful. Everything was great. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, Tennessee? And I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying this just to be facetious. I had never heard of Believer's Church. I had never heard of it. I mean, I wasn't familiar with a lot of churches in Johnson City, and even now living away for 12 years in Elizabeth. I I didn't know Believer's Church even existed in Boone's Creek. Sanctification. This big spiritual word that we hear very often is the process of transforming a person's whole being 
into the likeness of Jesus. Moses was holding on to places within himself that he did not realize. I was holding on to places within myself that I did not realize. And listen, some of you in this very second, God is great, church is wonderful, love what all is going on, but you are holding on to pieces within yourself that you don't even realize. And this is why the work is not taking place yet. Teresa of Avila, it is presumptuous in me to choose my path because I can not tell which path is best for me. Right now, some of you, just like Moses, just like Matt, my family's supposed to take this path. We've worked hard. We, we, we've got our 401k set up. This is what the financial portfolio looks like. This is what the financial advisor tells us we're supposed to do next. This is where we go on vacation every single year. God, you are not changing Myrtle Beach for us. Now, that's insane, but we say these kinds of things all the time. All right? You are not changing my life. This is mine. But Sunday things are great. Sunday church is wonderful. Listen to me. You are not capable by the nature of your humanity to know which path is best for you. You submit. You give up. Instructions, which some of you have right now. You're thinking, oh my goodness, now I've got to listen to some of this stuff. Instructions will always create the initial, visible, and necessary moments for a movement of God. And Moses said yes. Mobilizing mission also involves some form of assurance. Okay, some form of assurance. And we need this. We need this in our lives. So as we obey these instructions, we start to see a form of assurance in our lives. I'm about to tell you something in a minute that's going to blow your mind. I, I'm going to try to get through it without getting emotional. All right, but some form of assurance. So Exodus 4.21, we, we didn't read this verse. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, make sure that you appear before Pharaoh and do all the amazing acts that I have given you the power to do. Meaning there is going to be some form of assurance. God has gifted Moses with these abilities. He's also sent a voice in the form of his brother, Aaron, his sister Miriam, the first woman to bear the title prophet, he's got people all around him. He has this assurance all of a sudden in his life. Okay, you stepped out a little bit, you asked some questions, you said yes, and it's not always going to be like blatantly obvious, but I'm going to put some things around you to let you know you are indeed on the right track. Things are really scary, they don't make sense, you don't know what's coming next, but I am going to put some things there that are going to give you that Holy Spirit push in your life so that you can indeed keep going. There can be tremendous suffering when moving forward in obedience, but there will always be the presence of these subtle acts of care by God when mobilizing mission. 
Moses needed to understand that he wasn't going forward alone. This assurance works as a catalyst that helps Moses go forward, and it's also going to help you go forward. Let me tell you a crazy story. Now, now, when I tell you this story, I want you to know that there are a number of different places that I write sermons, and I was, I was writing this sermon in Southern Restaurant over a very good breakfast uh, that I usually have about once a week, and I began to visibly weep in this public place, looking at where my life is right now. And, and knowing that, as Meister Eckhart said, it literally sometimes the only prayer that we really ever have to pray is thank you. When, when we said yes to God as a family, when we said yes to God, we put our house up for sale in December. It sold in less than two weeks. When is the most difficult time of year to sell a house? Winter, right around the holidays. We didn't have a realtor. We never put a sign in the yard. We literally put one picture on Facebook. And we sold our house in less than two weeks. We knew that whenever we moved to Tennessee, we were going to have financial needs. I know that I've already hit, hit on that. I was leaving a job, a pastoring job, that, that paid good. And I was in a situation all of a sudden where I knew that there was going to be a large deficit in our family. I was trying to calculate, do everything for my family financially to see where we were. And out of nowhere, a family member that we weren't particularly close to at the time, simply because of distance and we didn't know very well, that knew very, very little of our situation, reached out to my dad and said, I would like to help Matt and Beth out the first six months whenever they get here by uh, giving X amount of dollars. Do you think this would help them? And it was exactly what we need. Do you want to know when that ended, that gift by these people? Literally whenever you guys voted me in. I mean, I can't make this stuff up. I felt, uh, I felt crushed about not pastoring. And I questioned God over and over. I, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, don't, I really don't know how to do that many things. I, I know you've called me to pastor. What am I supposed to do? Get a call from a guy that I'd had lunch with one time that I do not know well at all. There's an opening for an interim pastor position at Believer's Church, what's Believer's Church? I, I, I'm not familiar with this, Jim. Can you tell me a little bit more about what Believer's Church is? It's a church in Boone's Creek, Tennessee. I look it up. I see Ryan Oaks goes there and Justin Grindstaff. I'm thinking, man, that's a blast from the past. I haven't seen these guys in 20 years. And all of a sudden, I reach out to, to Dickie and Sarah Oaks. Had no idea Believer's Church ever existed. We didn't have a home. We didn't have a home almost a month before we moved here. We didn't know where we were going to live. We watched several things fall through. We ended up finding a home that we moved into that was exactly what we could afford at the time. My wife, uh, my wife had some particular uh, emotional needs as we moved home with things that had been going on. And God put people around her in a way that I have never seen before in my life. So... You tell me that's not God. You tell me that I'm just a, a, a product of circumstances. And that these kinds of coincidences happen just over and over and over unfold. After a foolish, stupid, late 30s man losing more hair than he, than he has to have, losing, losing hair he doesn't even have, on a mountain praying... What in the world am I going to do? 
Well, the only thing that I know that I'm going to do is say yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life. God continued to push Moses forward with assurance. Even though Moses felt extreme darkness. Do you not think that murdering a man, even though it was 40 years prior, hangs on a man? Do you not think that feeling like a failure and feeling like a screw-up and experiencing a lot of what Moses felt stays with a person in some way? Do you remember last week when we talked about what Moses assumed because of his speech and the way that he talked, his unwillingness to be in this place? Now, something that I want you to think about. If there is no assurance, if there aren't things happening around you, and listen, I don't mean these things are always going to happen because there are dry spells in which you have to have nothing but faith. But if you're trying to step into something and there's no assurance whatsoever, that's probably when you should start asking questions. That's when you should start wondering, is this really God or is this me? Last thing I want you to recognize when God is, is, is mobilizing mission, there is going to be assurance, some form of assurance. There is going to be instructions, but there's also going to be confirmation by others. All right, there will be confirmation by others. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people go into pastoral ministry. So many people start singing while everyone around them, granted, usually behind their back, are saying, he has no business preaching. She has no business singing. Has she heard her own voice? You know, things like that. And there's not some confirmation by other people in your life about what you are actually stepping into. Ask yourself, do I have a following? And when I say a following, I'm not talking about like a cult. Do I have people around me? that are confirming, people that are supporting me, the confidence of the people that I trust, is that around me as I'm going through this moment? There should be some sign through confirmation from others. Last, last verse that we looked at today. The people believed when they had heard the Lord had paid attention to the Israelites and seen their oppression, they bowed down and worshiped. The Israelites would flip-flop a lot over time. In fact, they're eventually going to get to the point where they want to kill Moses. So they're going to flip-flop a lot. But what they do see again and again and again is the work of God in his life and the confirmation as they continue to follow. Beth and I have not always been on the same page. In this you know, case with any marriage, we've not always been on the same page. I've not always operated as the best pastor. I have received my share of criticism over time. I have made my share of mistakes in which I've had to say, did I really say that? Did I really do that? I have had those situations. But beyond all of that, there is no doubt whatsoever that others, not me, and people outside of my family have confirmed the work that God is doing in my life over and over and over again. And some of you know exactly what that experience is like. Because there are moments when I feel like, I feel darkness, I feel fear, I feel worry, and I'm like, God, am I, am I really called to do this? Am I, am I doing the right thing? And how is it that it never fails in those moments that I get a text message or a message on Messenger 
Or somebody reaches out to me and said, I just wanted to let you know that three years ago, whenever you had that conversation with my wife and I, it saved our marriage. Or whenever we talked about getting sober and you took the time to pour into me, I just want to let you know. Those are, or, or that message on Sunday, what you said, you may have not even realized you said it, it really stuck out to me. Right in the moments that I needed to hear it. There will be confirmation from others. What you're looking through, for through this whole process is some observable fruit, all right? Not God to give you everything that you want, but some fruit that you can see to know I can still journey forward. So the mission this morning, as we're closing, the mission has been declared. And this is what this means. Moses has poked the bear. And this is what we're going to start getting into. Moses has made things visible to Pharaoh. He is officially, Pharaoh is officially awake. But before we get ahead, I want us to consider as we close, for application, I want to go back to this idea of instruction. Because some of you are in this initial moment right now. And this is what I want you to think about first. How do you know you're, in, in, you're trusting in the initial stages of destruction. This is, I'm, uh, instruction. You, you could feel like you're going through destruction. Instruction. All right, signs that you're following instructions. This is the first. Your life has been moved to some level of discomfort. Some of you are saying, amen, praise God, I am in discomfort. You don't know, Matt, what's going on in my life. There's no question. Things are really, really bad right now. All right, you have, you have been moved to some level of discomfort God has turned things upside down in order to get your attention because you wouldn't pay attention otherwise. I'm going to say that again. God has turned your life upside down and it's for the purpose to see if your trust is real. Have you been practicing real trust, real faith, or have you lived in some kind of generic superficial belief and now God has to bring you to this absolute pain and misery to see where your trust really is. Now, this is where it's important. Number two, this discomfort does not threaten your desire to trust God. Okay, so all of a sudden, this stuff is in your lap. Someone that you care about is sick, possibly could die. You've, you've got this recent diagnosis. You don't know about your job. You're going through these things. God is calling you, but you know if you're being called, you're going to have to give up certain things that you care about. You have to go a little bit more visible with what you're experiencing. So you are willing to move forward in the mess. It doesn't matter what's going on. God is faithful. God will take care of me. I never anticipated my life going in this direction, but he is still the king of kings. And he is still the Lord of lords, and I am going forward. You're willing to trust God as you go forward in the mess. And then number three, fear is given the needed time. It takes time. Fear is given the needed time and experience to turn into confidence. All right, so the fear that you experience on a regular basis, this is absolutely horrible. God is not good. God, I'm trying, but I can't step forward into this. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? My life is a disaster. Everything's going to change. We're not going to be able to continue uh, to take the vacations. We're going to have to give up this level of pay. My, my husband, my wife, they're not going to be happy about this. It's, it, it, what's going to happen? 
Fear, through a season, has the ability to turn to confidence in which you say, if I lose everything in my life in trusting God, for the first time, I'm going to have everything that I need. You have to be in that place. Once again, uh, Teresa of Avila. And I'll admit this more probably today than ever before. I cannot tell which path is best for me. I just can't. I'll be 40 next year, and I'm as capable of screwing up today as I was just a few years ago. I'm definitely not as capable as I was at 21. But I'm still capable of making a mess of things. And I have to say very often, I cannot tell which path is best for me. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, some of you are going through this experience, and as you go through this experience, you need prayer. You need prayer more than anything because you don't know what's coming next. I can promise you that there is a lot of anxiety. Uh, there is a lot of worry. I would love to tell you that I don't experience this thing, these things, but it wouldn't be true. And some of you, what I'd like you to do is just grab your Connect card. And if you need to write down on that Connect card a way that we can pray for you. These are confidential. We don't give these out to people. In fact, you don't even have to put your name on them. But if there is a way that we can pray for you, if there is a way on your journey right now, God was dealing with you in this way, God is dealing with you in that way, please take just a second, grab that Connect card. You probably got a pen in the back of your chair. And I want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to write these things down if it's something that you want us to pray about. There are some of you in here, and, and I can't imagine the absolute hell that you may be going through. I have my own. Uh, that I experience from time to time. But you know that God is dealing with you. You know that God is telling you to give something up, to step forward in some way, to not allow this to be some sort of emotional experience like maybe it has in the past, but really to ground yourself and root yourself in your faith so that nothing else matters but Jesus. I'm going to make you a promise as I say this. If you're married, your marriage is going to get better. If you have kids, your relationship with your kids is going to get better. Your job's going to get better. And it's amazing how as everything falls apart around you, it's actually being built up. So if you're in that place this morning and you just simply need prayer, would you raise your hand so that we can pray for you today? Thank you for being honest in the middle, in the front. Anyone in the front? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? You need prayer this morning because God is moving. Do not miss the work of the Holy Spirit. Father, we come to you this morning in absolute desperation. We come to you, Father, because we know that if we're going to move forward as a body, that we have to be repentant people, that we have to be praying people, that we have to be people that are willing to step out of our comfort and into the truth that is you. Father, we are not the authors of our stories. 
you are. And God, as we look at Moses, as he begins this journey, as he steps into the fearful dread and anxiety of this journey out of Egypt, he has the assurance, he has the confirmation by others, he's been given the instruction that you are going to care for him. May we be faithful people. We ask these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit.